man. Lindsay, man. Why don't you just You're so out? serious. Why don't you just make out with Nick? Man, we got to steal like, a car. <laughs> this is my Daniel. You got to rob a bank, Lindsay. Like, <laughs> just escalating. Lindsay, we're trying to invade Yemen. <laughs> Are you in or not? Can't rot the nuclear weapons. <laughs> What's up your butt, princess? We're just trying to invade a foreign country. Come on. We're going to hide some RPGs in the back of this van. I stole. <laughs> I took a van. To anyway. Lest you forget. <laughs> We're going to We're Yemen. going to Yemen. <laughs> Welcome to Freaks Chats. This is episode six. I'm Alan, and I'm joined, as always, by my best friend, Magellan. Hey. Hello. Hey, you little, you little buddy. I edited the intro on the second take to make it nicer. Nicer! Nicer! That's sweet. (laughs) That's what I did. We watched two episodes of Freaks and Geeks this week. They were episodes 11 and 12. Looks and books and the garage you, door. Hey, you might as well call this. You might as well call this freaks and week. You know, freaks and this geeks week. a week. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, that'll be our spinoff show where we watch freaks and geeks once a week. Yeah, sort That's of. A good sort idea. of a fresh take on what we're doing right now. Fresh take on TV podcasting in general. Also, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. totally. I love fresh takes. They're only the freshest of takes here at the chats offices. Looks and books. Aired February 7th of 2000. It was written by the show's creator, Paul Feig, and it was directed by Ken Quapis. Majan, what did you think? Man, let me tell you. I, okay. It's no secret that I've seen this show before. The first time that I watched Freaks and Geeks was about four years ago. And when we decided that we were going to watch it again, there were a few set pieces that sprung to my mind. One of them was the party from Beers and Weirs. One of them was everything about the last episode, which I'm sure we'll have a lot of fun discussing. And then the other two big moments that really came to my mind come from these two episodes. Um, The first being Lindsay in the Mathletes competition, which ends up not actually being that important in this episode, but for some reason it feels memorable and this episode feels like an iconic episode of freaks and geeks because we're finally actually seeing smart Lindsay, like og original pre-transformation Lindsay, and that helps to really solidify the whole Lindsay situation because i think up to this point she's been a character who it's been kind of hard to 
get a read on her. Huh. I like that read of it. I didn't think of it as being fun because it's a return to smart Lindsay and how that fleshes out what we've seen of her so far. Uh, but I do agree that these episodes were weirdly iconic. I just think this is a really great block of episodes that we're in and that we're still getting to. The show is definitely more comfortable with its characters and showing meaningful episode to episode changes, uh, particularly with the freaks and Lindsay and the weir parents. I think that the only part where this episode sort of doesn't accomplish that goal is through Sam's plot about getting good hair and making Cindy think he's cute because he has got good hair. But I think that ultimately Sam's story is not going to be the big sweeping arc of changes. It's sort of like, you know what this episode, the Sam plot made, the Sam plot made me think of stranger things, the TV show, except instead of monsters and psychic children, uh, it's about, well, the second episode more so, but it's a bunch of kids who like each other a lot and they're in the eighties and one of them has a really bad, like sad backstory. Uh, and it's not the main one. So <laughs> that's like a really particular reference, but I know like half of the planet has seen stranger things and they'll all be like, Oh yeah, good one. So, uh, I represent the half that has not seen it. It's whatever. I don't, I bet it's one of those shows that I desperately want to, yay. Yay. Finally. Oh, I get, I'm so happy when people don't, aren't crazy about the thing that everybody's like. You would love hanging out with me then. I do. I do. (laughs) Yay. I love it when people like me. So we're in a good position here. Stranger Things, it's totally one of those shows that I watched and I was like, please, please tell me this gets better. Why don't I love it? Why am I, is my brain broken? I never, I never loved it. I watched the trailer for season two today and I was like, sure, I'll watch it. Sure. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. We did a bit yesterday when John and I hung out. It was very funny. It was Rachel from Friends mixed with Owen Wilson. It's a good bit. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, so this episode starts. With Lindsay making yet another classic Lindsay bad decision. And those sound effects were actually in the episode. Yeah, I I, I read a piece of trivia about them. Uh, Done by uh, Ken Quapis himself, actually. And his uh, wife, Maureen Quapis. Maureen Maureen. Quapis. Lindsay. Hey, Quapasa, right? Quapasa Sukasa, you did it, Magellan. You really did it. (laughs) Prego. Lindsay is encouraged by the freaks to steal her parents' station wagon when they're not home and use it to, I don't know, transport some alcohol, I think? Yeah, or something. For some reason in my mind, I think that they are trying to go buy a big pumpkin, but I know that that's not true. <laughs> you wish that was <laughs> My true. brain really wants to remember it that way. The show works. Is the It's so fall. The show is so fall-themed that it's just like... It makes more sense that they would be getting some sort of pumpkin. Lindsay, come on. We're trying to buy a big pumpkin. We're going to throw it at the nerds. Come on, Lindsay. We need this pumpkin. Which character is that supposed to be? It's Daniel. Oh, damn, Daniel. You're right. That Daniel. It's actually not a bad Daniel. I was thinking of like a a Ken, but I'll take it. You're always so serious. Speaking of serious. Just a pumpkin. (laughs) But this pumpkin... I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm doing fine. I'm bad at school. Uh, No, we got to talk about the accident that happens because (laughs) they're jamming out to some Joe Jackson and then just the dumbest way to have a car accident. Uh, Lindsay is yelling at uh, Ken in the back or something and then Mm -hmm. slams right into a woman backing out of her own driveway. It's a great house. Got a Ken in the back. (laughs) 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 
this podcast has more than one Tim and Eric reference slipped in there really subtly, and I'm really I'm happy with the state of things. I just had to take a bit, a moment. Have now this podcast, those jokes can get into. <laughs> <laughs> Show me a nude podcast. <laughs> uh, nude God. podcast. No one knows what we're talking about. <laughs> no one knows. Uh, you should watch so Tim. one at least Tim or Eric is listening, and they they know, and they're happy about it. Yeah. Sorry, go it's ahead. okay. They crashed. They the crashed the car. Very serious, very overdramatic scene where everyone's yelling, and the woman is like, "Why are you so stupid? Were you you were all high on pot? I, I bet." Uh, yeah. And then Daniel's like, "Hey, Daniel, really?" And he like shuts that scene the fuck down because he's like, "Hey, no one wants to get. Who wants to be near you, anyways? You're too sexy." <laughs> yeah. And then just kind of she goes, "Oh, please, oh man," and then leaves, and that's the end of the scene. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and then we get like Lindsay getting absolutely chewed out by her dad. Just that nice basic instinct lighting. Yeah. Super yeah. low lighting, super scary. It sounds it's like her dad is like going to kill her, actually. I can send my own daughter to jail. <laughs> he says that. He goes, I can oh send my, my own God. daughter to jail. And yeah. uh, she's like, it turns, she says, I'm so sorry, daddy. There's a lot going on. Uh, and then he says, no more of your friends, grounded for life. And then Alan said to the TV, hey, Mr. Weir, grounding never works. Grounding has never succeeded in, in reprimanding yeah. children. Uh, but Were you ever grounded? Uh, no, because I never did anything to get me in that much trouble. It's a very boring child. <laughs> no, I just never, <laughs> I never like broke the rules that much. But when I like swore and st- like, I, I don't know, when I was much younger, I was told to like stay in my room for a little while. I guess that's kind of being grounded. Mm-hmm. Were you? Um, no. We were just good no. boys. We are just good uh, boys. And yeah, so Mr. Weir is like, you can never hang out with them again, ever, ever. And she's like, she doesn't even fight them. That's the coolest works. part about this scene. Yes. Never talk to your friends again. Oh, especially now. It's like, all right, I guess I have the whole internet <laughs> to talk to them with. <laughs> uh, but she doesn't fight back. She just kind of sits there and takes it. She's like, yeah, yeah. And then she's in a room. Well, because, yeah, because Lindsay's, Lindsay's not stupid. She knows that she just crashed a fucking car. And she stole. Like, she's, she deserves to be in trouble. Right. She can't be like, no, you don't understand my friends. They're good. It's like, no, I did. I objectively did do the wrong thing. There's no yeah. defending me here. And then even though she's grounded, her parents let Millie in. And I really wanted to see the conversation where Millie comes by. She's like, is Lindsay home? And they're like, she's in trouble. But you can go go talk to her. Go talk some sense into her. You're a good kid. How's the boyfriend? <laughs> <laughs> and they have a really, really nice tender moment where... Millie is talking to her about the mathletes and she's like, this girl almost passed. She passed out. I can go get my Uno deck. You're like, oh, Millie. I love you, Millie. 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 And uh, so that ends up leading to Lindsay being like, huh, this other outlet in my life for my time, which is really all you ever really want in high school is an outlet for your time and your like social anxiety is uh, for her Mm -hmm. to rejoin the mathletes. Mathletes, the mathletes. It's but a club where not, they do sports, but for math. Not before she has a sweet makeover or make make back reversion make, makeover. Reverse reverse makeover. Yeah, it is totally a reverse makeover. It's like the opposite of a she. Uh, uh, what's the, she's all that? The one with Freddie Prince Jr. and the girl. I think. I think that whole thing. 
uh she she changes her. there's a lot of like change in this episode Lindsay it wants to change back into a mathlete sam wants to change into a guy with nice hair <laughs> it's yeah and so they have that amazing uh well so sam his whole side of it is that cindy is with what's his face blonde guy todd not really the right name for that kind of character but whatever i've never thought of todd as a hot name todd Todd. todd's like a do a bad shitty guy name though you're so ripped todd todd what about like what's a good name though like a muscles are so strong Todd. Doug. <laughs> Doug. Doug would be a good Wow, name. you're so symmetrical, Todd. What's the name that you would want then? What's a good name for that character? Sorry if your name's Todd out there. I don't know what I'm doing. I think it's just like not a not like a d sound at the end. Like Chad and Brad are like Chad and Brad, you know? It's gotta be uh Luke. Like he seems like a Luke. Ugh, Luke. Ugh. Yeah. I'll Luke. take it. Sort of a Look smokier. At, yeah, it's a good name. Uh, so he's trying to be like Todd. Yeah, because Todd's got feathered hair, and you know women love feathered hair, and Bill's mom only dates men with feathered hair. <laughs> oh my god, I love Bill. Love Bill and his mom, and how they watch Dallas together. <laughs> and so Sam decides that he needs some feathered hair. He's got to have it. He's got to have that feathered hair. So he's got to comb, 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 get himself that hair. And uh, it's like so, it's so cute and sad to watch this boy do his hair so that somebody will like him. Exactly. It's it's really heartbreaking. I think that is where the Sam Weir stuff works for me is when it's like, oh, oh, oh. It's so oh, adorable. Oh, honey. Oh, no. Honey. Because when he's mad, I don't like Sam. I think when he's like like trying to change, it's where I, I yeah, kind of- he's. When he's naive, he's at his best. Yes. I think we finally yeah. hit it. It took us six episodes. But when That's not the No, long. it's not. But we're great. W- we're pretty good at we're this. We're awesome. When Sam is like, Oh, Cindy sucks. Why is she dating Todd? Why does she eat food? Why does she cut the cheese? It's like, oh shut up, Sam. Um, you're the kid brother that we had never liked. But when he's like, I just want her to think I'm cool and it's like, Okay, Sam. Again, very naive. All right. But I love I'm with you. you, bud. I want you to succeed. Uh, and he's he's combing his hair to the Who. He's combing his hair to Slip Kid by the Who, which is a good song. <laughs> uh, and so we get that little moment, and then both of that—that's like the two main plots. And then they converge with them leaving for breakfast. And in the like, so you know how I think in a previous episode of Freaks Chats, actually, I described the quote-unquote perfect cinematic American breakfast scene where mm-hmm. one of the kids is like sitting and eating, and then one of them pops the toast out of the toaster. It's almost that. It's like. The mo- like Mrs. Like Jean, we're gonna call them by their first names now. Jean and Harold. Uh, Jean is like yeah. ready to have that scene happen. She's like, "What well, I was gonna leave up abruptly," and uh, Lindsay's like, "Just the juice for me." And then Jean makes a face that to to Harold that's like, "Oh, she doesn't eat anymore." <laughs> she like puts <laughs> like her hands towards her mouth like, "Oh God, our daughter doesn't eat. Is this good or bad? I don't even know." Mm-hmm. And then Sam, with his very nice, very feathered hair, grabs a piece of bacon and then walks out and the two of them leave together and let's not forget Lindsay. not only does she not eat but she also dresses like a huge dweeb she's so cute what did you what did you think of her very cute outfit i thought it was very cute it was adorable uh a lot of like not not to not to belittle the outfit in any way you know what i mean yeah absolutely um (laughs) 
Well, I don't know what you. I actually don't know what you mean. Do you mean like the outfit is? I don't know. Cute is just like kind of a like a. Oh, it's so cute. You know? I mean, the outfit says a lot, right? Because because the military jacket said a lot, like we talked about in episode one. But this outfit is like I am doing the thing I used to do, and I'm trying to become someone I used to be. Um, yeah, that's like very much what her story is about. And we get that cool scene where the two of them are walking into the school, all very cool. And they walk up and Mr. Ross, I was like, my goodness, don't the weirds look nice today for fucking once, you disgusting children. Loved it. Even if you're only going to give me a Rosso line, freaks and geeks, I'll take it. But I want more. You've done a whole Rosso episode? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I do. (laughs) I want a show. I'd watch a Rosso show. Oh my God, I really would. I want a show that's just him walking through the hall telling kids that they look they're looking good today. <laughs> like every <laughs> I was gonna say a Rosso show where it's just like him being cool and then he has to deal with his own life while also helping out kids. Like the TV show about a fun guidance counselor would be good. Yeah. Let's write it. I'll start I'll draft the script later. Um okay. but we gotta talk about the weirds, unfortunately. They leave each other in like a very cool sibling way where it's like we went to school together but we don't want to talk to each other, so they're just like see you, see you, Sam, bye. And this is where we split off and the old kids the young kids go upstairs and I'm gonna go. Oh, there's my friends, and they're like, Wait, what a dweeb. What did you just come from church? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I hate all of you. You're all literally the worst and you've ruined a big chunk of my life. And then Daniel's like, like your impression. He's like, hey, uh, the party got moved till tonight. You can still come. Hey. So it's chill. I don't care if you hate me. Man, Lindsay, man. Why don't you just sneak he's out? so serious. Why don't you just make out with Nick? Man, we got to like, steal Lindsay! a car. <laughs> this is my Daniel. You got to rob a bank, Lindsay. <laughs> like just escalating. <laughs> Lindsay, we're trying to invade Yemen. <laughs> Are you in or not? <laughs> Ken brought the nuclear weapons. <laughs> What's up your butt, princess? We're just trying to invade a foreign country. Come on. We're going to hide some RPGs in the back of this van. And I stole. <laughs> I took a van. <laughs> to Yemen. Anyway. <laughs> to, to, lest you forget. <laughs> We're going to Yemen. We're going to Yemen. Um. So the way that this shakes out is she really chews into them here. Choose into them, choose them apart. She chews, and there's a lot of prepositions you can associate with the chewing because it is every which way Baloose. Taking them to task, I loved it. Well, because it's, it's, John, you and I had this conversation like many years ago, and it was one of those chats that we've had, chats that we had. (laughs) 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 I've ruined that word forever, by the way, or we have in this, in this project, uh, that stuck with me really, uh, really deeply, I guess, uh, which was one of the things about being friends with someone is that you are willfully accepting that they have the keys to your soul and can like do whatever they want with them. And like kind of, they know so much about you that it could be used for evil and being a friend with being friends with someone comes with the trust that they won't abuse that. So, like, her hanging right. out with them for so long means that she knows these, like, their faults and their anxieties and their fears. So she can just be like, oh, you're all bums and burnouts and you're not doing anything with your lies. And, like, why don't you fucking figure things out? Because I'm figuring things out. Well, Idiots. yeah, it's 
it's really fantastic because she says just because you don't like just because you don't care about your lives doesn't, mean that, doesn't mean that I don't care about mine. And and then you know Ken's like, oh maybe she's on her period. Which fucking stop doing that. Stop writing that joke. Well, I don't think <laughs> they're no, writing it as else... a joke. I think I think they're writing it as a deflection. Right. Those guys. Actually... I don't think we're meant to laugh at that. Right. That's a good point. I didn't really think about it like that. But what's great is. Again, like the Lindsay with her parents thing in the diary, the next scene is the freaks in the cafeteria being like, what are we doing with our lives? Yeah, and then yeah. like trying to answer that question is really interesting because like Kim has delusions of grandeur and says like, I'm going to be a lawyer and I'm going to get all of the hot guys out of jail, which same, I'll take it. It's a good job. And then Daniel is like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm going to go to college and I'm going to be great. It's going to be chill. I'm Daniel. Daniel. I run multinational guerrilla operations. <laughs> I destroyed NATO. I'm Daniel. <laughs> I'm Daniel. Uh, Ken. I got some nuclear codes in the pockets of my jeans. <laughs> my dockers. <laughs> my dockers under my beanie. <laughs> this beanie hides my massive brain with weapon <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Ken is like, I'm going to kill him. My dad's going to die, and I'm going to take his inheritance, buy his company, sell the company, and then live well. He like re- he totally plans it out. Kind of awesome Ken backstory. Kind of really great. Yeah. He, the whole thing in like a couple seconds, and he's so happy about it. Um, Finally, we're getting some Ken play. These eps, can I just say? <laughs> These two episodes had Finally more Ken Finally, a little Ken play. These two episodes had more Ken development than the rest of the show. Oh, man. Yeah. Especially the second one. But they handle it also, so well, man. Yeah. We'll talk about it a lot more in the next one. But hey, who else is at the table? It's Nick Andopoulos. And Nick, you know, just wanted to let everybody know that Lindsay's feeling bad because he dumped yeah. her. Just, just so everybody's aware. She's she's gone through a hard time. Lindsay's Thanks, depressed Nick. that I broke up with her. That's Very cool, line. Nick. Very great. Thank you, bud. Nick has no perspective. He even says, like, I'm going to be a lumberjack. And it's like, God, Nick, you have no perspective. You don't know anything about anything. <laughs> God. Um, I hope Nick can be a successful lumberjack. Uh, but I hate these young men. I hate these young I, men. I hate the cheese. <laughs> oh, but John, you've slain me with our amount of now. bad, obscure references. <laughs> I'm dead. Oh God! They they got we go. Lindsay sits with the geeks, the true geeks, the super geeks, the ultimate geeks. Yes, sir. And secretly, they're all girls. They're some of the best written women on the show, and they're all lovely. <laughs> they're all like really cool. Very people. cool. Very cool job, freaks and geeks. Actually, you hit all of the women literally in the back of the cafeteria. Um, well, but and they're talking about yeah. Whatever. But I'm just saying, like all pretty much all of the speaking mathletes are women. Yes. To the point where for a second you're like, are all the mathletes girls? And then in the background there are a couple tall sort of Magellan types uh, <laughs> in, in the mix. Absolutely. Uh, and they passed the Bechdel test with that whole scene because they're talking about like calculators and math. And then they talk about guys <laughs> and it's like, okay, whatever. But then Millie's like, I'm having a slumber party. All the mathletes are going to be there. You want to go? And I really love... The thing I think I love the most about the Mathletes plot is that it suggests so much more size than, like, or so much more scale and, like, backstory to this school and the people that go to it than anything else has. Because, like, Sam and his friends hang out with each other and, like, that's it. 
And we knew that Lindsay knew Millie, but we didn't know that Lindsay knew Millie and also like six other girls who all have their own club of like very intense, very competitive right. national math sports fighting. And they're like way into it and they spend all of their days doing it. It's like, oh man. She was part of a hashtag squad. She was part of a whole, like a whole, it's like the Expendables. Yeah. <laughs> And then just when you feel like you, you want like a whole episode of that. Oh, what's up? No, I'm laughing. It was a delayed laugh at Expendables. Thank you. <laughs> it's a delayed, it's an extended release uh, joke. Just when you're like, oh, yay, the girls, great plot, great. It's like, nope, er, here's more geeks. <laughs> extended bit about fat celebrities like Santa Claus and Raymond Burr. <laughs> and then I think Gordon gets this week's best like, weirdly funny line out of context which is uh-huh. neil he's like oh other there's other big guys like santa claus and raymond burr and then neil's like raymond burr is not a nice guy and then uh gordon says well he was extremely nice to me at last year's auto show which <laughs> <laughs> brings up so many questions uh it's so nice that they have more people at their table four now instead of three five harris was there. oh you're right harris was there if yeah. the nerd the nerds can get along, then they can all. That's like good. That means we have more geeks being fun together. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, Millie comes by, and she's like, "Can I borrow a pen?" And she, <laughs> Gordon grabs a pen out of his thing. She's like, "I got. I sat on chocolate and had to change my clothes." And then uh, she takes the pencil from Gordon, and she's like, "Thanks. I'll give it right back." And Gordon doesn't know how to be cool. So he's like, "You better." <laughs> <laughs> that's his corded <laughs> line or else i'll kill you uh and then they're all just like eating and being nerds also fun little bit of like continuity harris in that scene is reading the, uh he's reading a D book that he's reading a different D book later when he meets daniel um in the same episode right he's reading the monster manual later yes i think he's well actually this one i think might have just been a monster it might have been the same one it says dungeon monsters guide so maybe it's the same one but uh mm-hmm. yeah i can't wait that's a portent of things to come they're gonna like do D at some point right yeah well i mean yes that's a thing in the, like the last episode i bet yeah the last right. episode cool uh lots of 80s fashion uh we get some family dinner where Mr. where Gene is like, I'll take you to the I'll take you to the mall, Sam. We'll use my credit card, and then we can go get crepes like we always do. <laughs> like, no, mom, you always give me some go- dumb garbage. I want to get my own clothes. <laughs> and of course, I made a good note here. Mr. Weir is like, a man's got to know how to dress himself. He's got to cut the apron strings sometimes. And I realized in that moment that Mr. Weir is like the entire reason that Sam is obsessed with girls liking him. Uh, because he's instilled in his son so much masculinity bullshit that it's like hard to not feel inferior to he, other men. Yeah, when, and every father has instilled that in their sons, and all of the sons are instilling it in each other. It's endemic. Exactly. But like him saying that line and nobody calling him out on it when he says you need to cut the apron strings is like, yep, this is the show telling us like this is how it was, and then no one's gonna tell him tell him off until like the next generation or the one after that maybe uh so sorry that's where it came from and it's an endless loop and then Lindsay's like i'm gonna go back to the mathletes can i and they're like yes (laughs) they're like (laughs) a very hesitant like yeah i want to say what's up no go ahead i was gonna say she um she like just says it very nicely and then they're like wait is this a ploy she's like no it's not a ploy in that case yeah hell yeah go please do it (laughs) 
<laughs> and then it's Kouchevsky saying all this. Well, no, that was the parents being like, "Are you allowed to do it?" And then Kouchevsky. Oh, the is parents. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Kouchevsky's like, uh, "I'm gonna have to put you in the reserves." And we get this whole little fun plot about like this idea that there's like the uh, the A team and the B team within the mathletes, and Lindsay should have to go back onto the reserves, but she thinks that she's good enough to just go straight back onto the A team, and mm-hmm. which is cool. It's like interesting that she has this ambition and like drive for success that she didn't get to express much when she was with the freaks um she didn't get to be like that type of ambitious and like excited to win and like defeat the teams kind of thing um so and then we get a quick scene where uh kim and daniel are smooching and daniel is like i get maybe i don't have anything i do i don't go to my classes because i fall asleep and then (laughs) really corny shot of Daniel literally at a crossroads in the hallway being like, it looks like I'm at a cross. He doesn't say, but he's like, it looks like I'm at a crossroads. Well, Kim gets upset with him because she wants to go to class. And he says, I'm going to skip class. And she's, no, Daniel, I'm going to class. So I can't do a great Kim, um, but I can do a great Daniel. So we can already see that Lindsay's words are affecting them. Right. And the decisions that they're making. Because they, they really do want to do well in school. It's just that at this point they become so um, cynical to, that they could ever like succeed and achieve in the way that school prescribes that they don't want to try. Um, so Kim goes off to try to do that. Daniel is conflicted about it. And then when does the next Daniel scene happen? Is it right now or is it in a bit? Well, there's a little bit where like the, the mathlete kids, like we meet Shelly and all that stuff happens next. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, quick Kouchevsky line that I really liked that I didn't mention. When when she's like, Mr. Kouchevsky, I'm the best person at math in this whole school. He goes, actually, Lindsay, I think I'm the best person at math in this school. <laughs> so <laughs> unnecessarily rude. <laughs> like, um, So then we get introduced to Shelly, just kind of going in. I, I, I want to try going in linear order this week just for, you know, fun's sake yeah. uh, to mix things up. And uh, Shelly is interesting because she is the mean geek. Um, and she's like, oh man, was that Kim girl with you? She was pregnant. <laughs> That's really bad. My neighbor works at a clinic and she says she saw her there. That's messed up. And then Lindsay rightfully tells her off and says, just because a girl chooses to live her life differently doesn't mean she's barefoot and pregnant. And then Shelly's like, I didn't say she was barefoot. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Stupid Shelly. <laughs> Anyways, I appreciate that none of the geeks like Shelly. I like that the rest of them are just like, no, fuck. She sucks. We don't like her. She's just here. Like that that there's still factions even within factions at this school, if that makes or clicks rather. Um, Such is the price of ambition. Exactly. Such is the price of ambition. More like the price of admission. There you go. You know. It costs money to go to school. Wow. Um, it costs school to go to money. You're right. It does. Wait, we go back to the 70s store after this, Magellan. Didn't you like that scene? I did like that scene. I liked the the weird store owner who was pretty creepy. I loved Bill and how on board he was. His cool brown shirt and his pretzel with the mustard. Mm-hmm. The costume piece uh, is very fun. Sam's one-piece tracksuit thing. French night suit. Night suit. Yeah. Um, sort of gorgeous. Th- that, so that's the thing is when, when Lindsay wears her like nerd outfit, you're like, is it? So she's a nerd, but it's not weird. But when Sam wears the tracks, the night suit, it's like, that's weird. So I'm, conf- I don't know what exactly is 80s fashion at this point, other than like cute sweaters 
and bell bottoms i guess yeah i couldn't tell you because the night suit is weird but i guess that's because it's a one piece and it's a little bit gaudy and the color is like a lot so from a fashion perspective i understand why they don't like it but it's like what so then when was this good fashion 10 years ago 20 years ago these are the questions I think about. Fashion is a big deal on mm. the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get a lot of uh, the girls arguing in the mathletes thing. And uh, <laughs> again, Kowchevsky, hey, girls, relax. This isn't the last chopper out of Saigon. Which, dog, that's like re- that's like in today's news. Like, <laughs> you, it's like a... <laughs> it's like if you made a Berlin Wall joke and they're like, dog, it's still up. <laughs> yeah. it's like recently put up, excuse me. <laughs> girls argue because well actually what happens is he's like all right millie has to step down so that Lindsay can go up and then she's like no i don't want my friend to lose i wanted to kill shelly i want her to die uh, and they all fight uh then we get the brief scene of sam dancing in the mirror and being like hey hey cindy cindy hey <laughs> cindy how you doing he's a really good dancer he's a great dancer <laughs> he like it's the most he's ever gesticulated on this whole show. It's really, really good. And everybody should watch that scene if they haven't. Because it's it's the stuff, again, that's fun about Sam Weir is when he's playful and awkward and just a big dork that you can love. Uh, and then speaking of playful and awkward, Millie and the sleepover. And we learn that Millie has a re- messy room, which I guess is cute. Sam walks through the mm-hmm. school in some cool clothes. I'm going to start speeding past a couple scenes here. Gordon. Yeah, go ahead. Gordon is in the in the school with Sam and he does that like they're like oh Gordon stand in front of me because you're fucking fat and you can hide me from all the people gonna make yeah, fun of me well because Sam goes in wearing the thing yeah it's whoa oh I look so awkward I'm not cool at all <laughs> but Gordon takes it in stride and he's like I look I feel like I'm in the secret service <laughs> literally striding yes absolutely striding then we get again really really good scene where we get so have we talked about the Whedon test at all on this pod um maybe i don't know probably. in short weeding test it's a thing Majon and i came up with on our last podcast it's this idea that you can put any pairing of characters or group of characters in a tv show together in any combination at any time and have it be unique and interesting and worth sh- worth having that be a pairing that we see that's how you know that the show has like good well-written characters that are diverse enough that they can blend with anyone did i get that right i always feel like i'm yeah. Sloppy with that every yeah. Basically, the Harris and Daniel scene is a fantastic example Sir, of that. Sir, it was the best scene. It's like textbook ever. perfect what we're talking about. Because Daniel's like, hey, nerd. And then Harris is all very placid, like, hello, I'm Harris. He's like, hey, you do nerd stuff. Can I ask you something? What would you think if someone asked you what I th- what they thought of me? Which is like so freaks and geeks in a nutshell is what like what do you think people think of me you know that kind of question he he says i think the specific wording is if someone asked you what do you think of daniel desario what would you say and he says oh you know uh (laughs) he's like would you say i'm a loser he's like no you're not a loser you have sex but if you didn't have sex well (laughs) we have to think about this (laughs) and they have a good laugh about that one (laughs) (laughs) i do have sex and we're not we're not we're laughing because it's true and then it's just, it's totally the like, we're not so different, you and I, because he's like, you get good grades, I have sex. Maybe we aren't so different after all, Mr. Harris. Yeah. But <laughs> it's Harris really sweet. Really, I like that scene. Harris a lot. really is the olive branch to get from the geeks to the freaks because he's so comfortable with himself, which Daniel even says. And yeah. like, he goes, Oh, today's the first day of the rest of your life. And <laughs> it can't just be a nice line. He goes, Someone sent that to a, a give a birthday card to my dad on his 65th birthday. 
And then Daniel's like, he's 65. He's like, no, he's 70. <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> okay, here's backstory. When I'm 45. You know, they say that the older the sperm, the weirder the kid is. Is that true? I don't know if they say that, but I feel like that's. We're the- seeing it here. <laughs> Daniel basically says, yeah, you're comfortable with yourself. You do your own thing. I like you. You got it pretty wired, huh? And then Harris kind of has like, you like, I guess I do. I don't have sex though. But up, up. It's such a good scene. Then. We get the, uh, I think after that is just the Mathletes fight. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just cruise through that. Yeah. So uh, all the girls are excited to be doing Mathlete stuff. And then all of the freaks are in the back realizing that they all came there separately um, to cheer on Lindsay. The Gandopolis is here. I'm just killing some time by sitting in this specific room during a specific event after school. <laughs> uh, and uh, so they, they start doing like, um what's it called mathlete stuff and uh lindsay's crushing it and i actually enjoyed like trying to understand those problems because that's mm-hmm. some that's like high level high school math verging on college math um i would say yeah i don't remember any of them except that there was like a sphere in a cube or something yeah it was but as some yeah but as somebody who's tutoring high schoolers in math right now it was definitely pretty uh pretty advanced exactly um which i think is the point it's like oh if the longer diagonal of a rhombus is this and larger angle is 100 degrees what is the area of the rhombus and you're like uh similar to kim in the back she's like i've never felt so stupid in my life we kind of are like that (laughs) and they're answering them fast they get like 10 seconds and they just do it um and then (laughs) the the freaks have that funny part where they uh, hold up like the fender of the car that crashed. <laughs> Good visual bit. Um, that was great. What the yo? So the fucking camera. Oh, in the like the blurry sequence? camera. Yeah, the like double focus on two places at once composite shot thing yep. was like kind of the worst. It's so obnoxious to look at. Um, yeah every single shot in that scene is what you're talking about where the person in the front is like really really sharp focus and the person everyone in the back is like completely un un unviewable uh well no they it's they want focus on two different spots at once so focus on the judge and Lindsay's parents way in the back parents yeah, so I think it's I don't know how this would work, but I think they're compositing together two different shots, one of them that's focused on him and one that's focused on them. And then the rest of the shot where nobody's in it is out of focus. It's just it's like easy directing. It's like you need to look at this and this. Don't look at everything else. What? <laughs> and it's just it's really mm-hmm. jarring and uh, like a little bit much. Um I did notice that as well. I'm glad you you picked up on that. Uh, and then, so actually, just to wrap up the mathlete thing, uh, it seems like it's going to go really badly for Lindsay, but it doesn't. She continues to kick ass. It's Shelly who loses to a young boy from Lincoln because uh, she gets her ass stomped. She's like, I'm confident. I don't need your help. And then as soon as she goes up, she's like, I don't know how to do math anymore. <laughs> I completely forgot how to do math. oh no anyways so the last thing of the sam story i really loved it was sam is is taken home to his own home by mr rosso to change because he tries to leave this high school and the lady's like you're not going anywhere dumb dumb it's like whoa it's very spooky that they're like i know they are like you're you're not supposed to leave the high school during the day i know that but like 
seeing that in a TV show was like, oh man, very like scary for a second. They are trapped. And then Rosso basically tells him, uh, if you like yourself and you think you're the coolest person in the room, then you're cool. It doesn't matter how you dress. It doesn't matter how you act. Yeah, well, like his yourself. his story, yeah, is not exactly reassuring. Well, his story is very like classic uh this type this show's like type of way of making people happy which is like tell them a story about something that went bad <laughs> like hey i got bullied and i like harassed to the point of like not just sorry, went sorry. bad yeah he's talking about how he got cornered in an alleyway and beaten up by 10 dudes yeah but he says it with a pretty, smile pretty dark and his lesson is you just got to be yourself <laughs> i never lost pride in who i am even though i got told to do like a dumb bit for People who are threatening mm. me. Um, it is a weird, it is a weirdly dark thing for him to just tell Sam and just goof about it. But, you know, Sam hears that advice and it works. He says, oh, I guess it is all about confidence. Maybe I'll just like myself for fucking once. And Yay. he has that sleepover with Bill and and, uh, and and Neil. And he's like, I like myself. And they're like, wow, you are cool. <laughs> it's basically that. <laughs> and then amazing last scene of the episode amazing well like last batch of scenes real quick uh Lindsay is at the sleepover with millie and it's like seven girls in one bedroom which is absurd and they're all like hey we also hate shelly don't forget that you are not bad for hating her she had it coming Mm -hmm. right which is uncool and then they're like oh we're gonna go we're gonna go to mit someday they only say you're gonna get mit if you got first string in the mathletes which is wrong but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, like they definitely look at your curriculars but they're not like hey how good were you in your extracurricular mathlete bullshit you can go to MIT yeah. um, and so they're all in their cute nightgowns and then they all go to sleep and this is my favorite scene of probably the, both the episodes is Lindsay says you know it's been great hanging out with you Millie but I'm gonna go I'm not gonna do this I'm quitting after one competition I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Sorry. And then Millie's like, yeah. Millie, Millie in her wonderful, I, I texted you, I said, Millie's Little House on the Prairie season eight nightgown <laughs> is like, okay, are we still friends? And she's like, yeah, of course, for life. And it's like, yes, Millie and Lindsay are Thank the you. best. So good. Yay. Can we still play Uno sometimes? And you're like, Millie. Millie. Oh, oh. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can always do that. I'll, I'll play Uno with you. I want to play Uno with Millie. That'd be great. I'm bad, I don't know. You just gotta. It's like it's like that song, you know. Reverse, 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 reverse. Everybody, clap your Uno hands. One, 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 one. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> uh, but that part's lovely because it's just nice and it's like, oh, Millie is still loved by her friends. And then "Take the Long Way Home" by Supertramp starts playing, and oh, it's midnight here in Detroit or something, and. Lindsay's going for a walk. I guess she was going home, or she knew that the geek, the freaks were going to be there. I think she knew that they were going to be there. Isn't that cool that a high? I, what do you think about that idea that like it's like really late at night, and she's had a long day, and she's going to like the drive-in or whatever, drive-in restaurant, and she just sees. She her just there. knew that they were going to be there. I just there's something about that vibe that that's is, really cool. Yeah, Duh. the whole the whole tone of that scene where it's like. They're all parked in their cars eating food, and they're like, hey, you guys want to see a midnight movie? Not if it's subtitled. Mm-hmm. I don't want to watch a foreign film. Hey, maybe you should get mm-hmm. educational for once and fucking stop being stupid, idiot. And then Daniel's like, I'll see it. I'm invading Yemen after this. I'm Daniel. <laughs> I need to learn their language to get inside. Lindsay. 
Lindsay, I'm crossing over the demilitarized border of le- lemon. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Oh my god um and then she's like can i hang out with you guys and they're like sure and it turns out everyone likes Lindsay. <laughs> yay and they're like yeah i just the moral of the story is never try never try try oh yeah never try just fuck it so basically yeah that's the sim- plot of both yeah story. yeah I mean, really, that's that's kind of the lesson is like, yeah, sure, you could do the thing that you're really good at and people love you and want you to do it. But ultimately, the best thing in life is to kind of just slack off. Do you think that's the message, though? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's it's also I think but like saying it like the message is to slack off is like a little bit. No, I know I, she doesn't. There was no joy for her in the mathletes, and it made her feel mean, and I get it, but yeah. I mean, I think it kind of undermines her big speech to them yes. at the beginning, and it makes her character a little wonky, because I still want Lindsay to be someone who's like intelligent and takes pride in her intelligence, and this feels like it undermines that a little bit. So I think that what the great thing about the development of the characters in this episode is that the freaks come out of it being like oh maybe we should start trying a little more that's what daniel at the crossroads is that's what yeah, tim yelling at him is so maybe they're now and, and the the foreign film thing is still that her words still rung in their mind and she's like oh yeah you guys we're all gonna try a little bit harder in that case let's keep trying to be friends like they don't want to be burnouts anymore um, true which i think is a huge bit of good development for them um, true and yeah that is our very long discussion on looks and books that was awesome that was a great episode Ooh. and a great discussion i think so, Magellan, I'm going to ask you, would you like to take a break? Yeah. <laughs> Let's <laughs> sleep on it. Take it to the mailbox. <laughs> we'll be right back with our discussion of the garage door. Hello, Freaks Chats listeners. This is Alan bringing you the mailbox, the feedback segment, the fun times for episode six of Freaks Chats. I'm going to start today by reading an email that we got from our friend Dax Static over at chatspot at gmail.com. Dax sent us quite a long email just a couple minutes ago. Barely made the cut, my friend. But I'm really happy that you did because this is a solid email. And I'm going to be picking and choosing parts from it because, like I said, quite long. Greetings, Alan Magellan. I must go with a hearty mask not if I have to see them up close. But if they're in the background giving joy to kids keeping the little runs far away from me, then by all means, I love them. I can't even recall if my high school had a mascot. But growing up in the overcrowded California public education system, my graduating class had about 2,000 students in it, so I have to imagine we had something. I never cared about sports. I couldn't name the star quarterback on my uh, school's team if my life depended on it. In fact, I can name only one cheerleader, a girl named Jill, who I only remember because she sat next to me in English, and one day I noticed she was trying to come up with a cheer on paper, and I happened to glance at what she had written. I thought she was trying to write a song and noticed the words, Go Big Red, over and over again, so I casually asked her, Hey, what's Go Big Red? She quickly grabbed the paper off her desk, shoved it in her backpack, and angrily said, Oh, shut up, you don't even know what it means. Which, of course, is why I asked, but I guess that concept was too much for her to handle. To this day, I never understood that response. (laughs) But that pretty much sums up most of my experience in high school, trying to make sense of things, just making them more confusing, so I stopped trying. That is a really, that is a very good and relatable way to approach high school. I aced every advanced algebra and chem test that they gave me, even if I only did half the homework and got banned from prom for blowing up tacos in the quad area. 
That is the best sentence I've ever read. Yeah, I was one of those weird kids. Wait, what were we talking about? Oh, on to Freaks and Geeks background info. Man, Dax, you you lived a charmed life, my friend. You you do. That's great. Man, oh man. I love that that cheerleader story reads like, I don't even know, like a weird, like, oh my god. Just like a, like a David Lynch scene or something where someone just yells at you. And then you're like, what is that? And then they just run away and you never see them again. And that's your life. Moving on to Dax's uh, DVD commentary notes. We've got Spirit had commentary done by some super fans. Very cool that they were allowed to just record that. Um, Shout out to the producers. In the diaries opening scene, when Sam and Bill were going to be picked last, originally Roy Orbison's Only the Lonely was going to play, but instead they picked a more upbeat song by XTC because the showrunners said it was too depressing. Uh, Even so, Paul Feig said it's the best music cue in the entire series. Speaking of characters who stayed in character between Takes and Dowd, who plays Kim Mother, did the same, and writer Rebecca Kirshner said she was terrifying. When Fredericks gets the second prank call, the woman seen next to him is the same woman that he was flirting with before in the other episode. The joke was supposed to be that he's still hitting on her when one of the kids interrupts, but nobody ever got it. I got it, Dax, because we watched this show in quick succession. When Kim is criticizing on the road, she's using actual lines that Truman Capote said to make Kim seem smarter than she uh, is expected to be. In Looks and Books, the opening scene is based on Judd Apatow's real experience as a teen. Basically, he had a similar car crash total ladies car moment in his uh teen years ken's line about waiting for his dad to die so he can inherit his company and sell it was a joke that never got to be played out that ken was secretly wealthy but dressed and acted like he wasn't <laughs> that's awesome uh, i really like that version of ken mathletes shelly aaron and carrie were named for three nbc executives who were fans of the show oh yay the character shelly was cast with an actress who got sick on set after shooting one scene and had to go to the hospital she was replaced last minute with Alex Breckenridge, who everyone praised for doing such a good job. In a bit of an Easter egg, you can see the original Shelly in one take at the 32-minute mark. When Mr. Kowchevsky is talking to the mathletes, she's the girl in the brown vest who gives Lindsay a mean look. And finally, Paul Feig's experience as a teen buying and wearing a powder blue disco jumpsuit was an inspiration for this episode as well. I can only imagine it went just as well as it did for him as it did for Sam. Wow. I, man, these, these commentary pieces are just the best. They're so good. And thank you, Dax. Uh, I'm learning a lot uh, from all of this. Moving on to Twitter over at chats pod. We got a bunch of tweets this week from Angela Scrangela, who actually did end up sending us messages last week, but uh, like a day after I recorded the mailbox. And then she said, don't feel uh, pressured to read these now on the next week because they will be dated. So thank you. She also voted hashtag mask not. And so I'm going to go ahead and say that I won. I forgot to do an informal poll on Twitter, but two votes for my side uh, means that I win. I'm going to just call it there. Uh, she says regarding looks and books, borrowing mom's car is a bad idea. I speak from experience. I like that Bill respects janitors. Lindsay's right to be mad at Daniel, but ultimately it's her fault for taking the car. Sam's feathered hair is so cute and he has a comb in his pocket. I forgot to point that out. I loved the touch that every time he's working on his hair, he also has a comb in his pocket. I'm glad to see Lindsay has a backbone, but I'm worried about the fallout. I, yeah, so these these tweets are like Angela watching the episodes live. So there's a couple things in here that are like predictions that go differently than she expected, which is really fun. Look around. The whole school dress is better than you, Sam. Sam looks around at three people, <laughs> which is funny because they were like the only well-dressed people or like uniquely dressed people. Uh, Mathletes are cutthroat. Sheesh, I'm glad I was in chorus. I sense a horrible weird 
face regarding the Parisian night suit, which actually, the weird face that I chose is from the second episode. Ladies, ladies, this is just for tomorrow. She also liked, yeah, this is the last chapter out of Saigon line from Kauchevsky, one of his best lines, I'd say. Uh, lots of good one-liners about the jumpsuit, even from the office lady. Nice duds, Junior. Poor kid. Uh, Angela also sent us a very good potential episode thumbnail of Sam, uh, being very sad in, uh, his Parisian night suit. Um, I wish I used that one, but I also love the one that I use because it's kind of gross and says a lot about the second episode. Uh, lots of homo-queer teasing in this episode. I remember 1980. That was not okay then. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is like a small suburb in Detroit. I think they're a little bit more, they're a little less progressive here than even like the general people were at the time, but it still is like kind of weird how much they talk about like, oh, you're gay, you're queer. They use the word queer differently than we do now. It's, it's weird. I agree. The freaks brought a bumper to the mathlete scrimmage. They're awkwardly awesome. Uh, and then regarding garage door, my brother and I used to pile crap on our sister when she fell asleep in the car. We stuck wet, life, wet lifesavers to her face. Aww. Uh, Amy the Band Geek has got game. I love her smack talk. Ken is crushing hard. You should ask her out. Oh, you must have liked this episode. And then a question. Did you guys ever play Atari? My bestie had one. I played a little Pac-Man, a little Cubert. Uh, we were a little bit young to be playing Atari when it came out. I think I've played an Atari before. I actually, when I visited my cousin's in Syria like a decade ago they had an NES and that was like the oldest console I played at the time um, but my like first game experiences were with computers and then I got a PlayStation when I was like six and it went from there during the dentist appointment I was having visions of Steve Martin and Bill Murray in Little Shop of Horrors good reference good pull Amy likes Ken too let's go to the laser dome and watch magic happen and then uh, linked us to a video there is a laser show here in Atlanta summer tradition for folks I haven't been in years I will link to this show because it's kind of cool looking. It's from it's the Stone Mountain Laser Show of June 2016. Uh, it looks... I didn't know that's still a thing. I would love to go to one. And finally, Sam bursting into tears followed by Neil throwing the clicker gave me all sorts of feels. Oh, the garage door is a very sad episode. We're going to talk about it in the next discussion. I just want to say before I call it here on uh, this week's mailbox, we've been having like a little bit of a drop-off with listenership since we started the Freaks and Geeks show. And while I do know, like, it is a less well... I don't know, is it a less well-remembered show than Farscape? It certainly has a less... A smaller cult following, I would say. I still want people to hear our show. I like to think that we're fun and we uh, can be listened to without any knowledge of the show or even watching the show. You know, give us a recommend if you have a friend who's looking for new podcasts. I certainly do, and I, you know... I can't tell you to force new listeners to, to, to get into the show, but, um, you know, we want more people to hear us. That would make us happy. If not, though, we have the best community out there right now, and we love you all. And I am going to give it back to Majan and Alan so that they can talk about the sad sadness that is the garage door. And I'll talk to you next week. And we're back. The second episode of Freaks and Geeks that we watched this week was The Garage Door. It aired March 13th, 2000. It was written by Gabe Sachs, Jeff Judah, Patty Lynn, and it was directed by your boy Brian Gordon. The Garage Door is such a sad episode! No! Oh, no! You just summoned eight packs of wolves to your house, Magellan. I, I could hear them <laughs> run across the town. I need, that's how many wolves I need to comfort me after this episode. Yeah, they're comfort wolves. I thought I was going to yeah. say that's your favorite Aesop's fable is the comfort wolves.
My favorite Aesop's fable is fucking problem. Actually, I'm so mad at you. I'm gonna keep that. We're gonna keep that one in. I'm not you. Woo! <laughs> 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 these are better than the Tim and Eric references that nobody gets. This, I'll, I'll allow an Aesop Rocky reference. <laughs> uh, they're watching SNL at the beginning of this. Okay, first of all, I will say this episode really sad. Um, but I appreciate um its willingness to do the thing it sounds like it's gonna do, and not kind of cop out at any point and be like no it's not really that it's totally that y'all you all watched it hopefully neil schweiber's father is an adulterer he's cheating on his wife i think unless his wife his his wife not nice (laughs) not nice speaking of impressions (laughs) not at all nice even even borat is uh, disapproving speaking of impressions the episode starts with uh, the boys at the Schweiber household, uh, and they're watching SNL in the eighties. So Joe, it's Capote Saturday Night SNL. Live, starring Neil Schweiber, a dish of peanuts, Fred Armisen, adultery, adultery, musical guest, musical guest, <laughs> and your host. <laughs> Musical guest. <laughs> Don't let this episode fall into the toilet. We're only we're only starting. Sorry, sorry. I really just this is a defense mechanism because I it's you know it's heavy. It is heavy. It's hefty, hefty, hefty. Uh, no, they're watching SNL, and they're like, I, Sam's like, I love Joe Piscopo, and Neil Schreiber's like, Pisco was great, and Alan is like, no, no. <laughs> Go watch any of Joe Pisco's stand-up. He's, like, not my type of comedian at all. He's very, like, hey, hey, I'm Joe Piscopo. How you doing? He's very obnoxious, and that's, like, his uh-huh. whole laugh. Um, speaking of goofs, do you ever notice that Sam... Weir always laughs with his like incredibly wide open mouth grin. It's always a very innocent laugh, yeah. It's so yeah, he's got such a pure like ha 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 such a pure like Titus from Final <laughs> Fantasy X kind of laugh. Uh, uh-huh. Um and then I saw that scene and Mr. Schreiber's like, I'm gonna bring you some snacks, and they're putting food on Bill, and then he's like, Don't put food on Bill, but I'll help you. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. Is Neil's dad secretly cool because he's the sing- he's the quote unquote single dad and like he's compensating for the fact that there's no mom figure in Neil's life? Nope. Next uh-huh. next scene we meet Sam's mom. <laughs> Neil's mom? Yes. Well not next next scene, but like when uh Neil is being dropped or, or Sam is being taken home and Neil's mom is in her cool tennis house. That comes later. Uh yeah. But we also get briefly introduced. I really love this is like a pretty common thing in TV writing, but Freaks and Geeks does it really well, where it's like, here's the Geeks plot. Here's the beginning of it. Now, hold on. Here's the Freaks plot. Here's the beginning of it. And then they kind of like mesh together in the middle before both coming to a head at the end. Uh, hmm. Because it, it gives like an economy to both of them. And it's like, hey, neither of these plots is... Like we say the terms A and B plot because we give certain discussion weight to different plots more than others. Sure. Yeah. But I think the show does a really good job of splitting the difference and not like giving one too much of the episode. Uh, well, that's time. Yeah, I mean that's why they name so many of the episodes like blank and blank because it really 
does feel like they're sharing space. Exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, carded and discarded or, or beers and weirs, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and so we immediately go to the freaks and they're like watching the band play that's uh, 25 or 6 to 4 by Chicago, which very good song. <laughs> very good song. 25 or 6 to 4. No, it's a very good. I love Chicago and that this shows commitment to like t- uh, time appropriate music is awesome because the band and the orchestra when they're practicing at least and sometimes most of the times when they're performing in high schools do like not current music but like a little bit old music like slightly dated uh my middle maybe school somebody on the band knows it in middle school for orchestra we played boulevard of broken dreams exact you nailed it you fucking nailed it what i'm talking about but then we weren't allowed to do it at the concert because one of the people's moms didn't like the lyrics of the song okay <laughs> but we were playing it with stringed instruments right exactly you're playing an instrumental version of it suburbia exactly with a big capital s capital urbia suburbia. Yeah. um no, so that's that's actually a pretty common thing, and and twenty five or six to four is from like the late sixties. So when they're like Nick, why do you know this song? Why do you like this song? He's like, because it's sick. It it makes sense because it's you know maybe just a little bit beyond his lifetime, uh, if that. Um, and so I I also really liked the first line of that scene is. Kim is just instantly shitting on one of the band geeks and she's like, look at the pizza face guy with the trombone. And she had like a really thick, <laughs> she had like a super thick Wisconsin accent. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Look yeah. at the pizza face guy with the trombone. <laughs> <laughs> trombone. She so says it like that. It's hilarious. Um, and so they're just talking about like, oh, these band geeks suck. They're all bad. And then Ken looks into the distance and sees the beautiful, the the, the incredible, the majestic Amy. Amy. <laughs> Amy is like a bad name for the crush of your main character, but the perfect name for the crush of your side character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that actor, by the way, who plays Amy, I recognize her from the movie Election. She's the younger sister of, um, oh, what's his face? I don't even remember the guy's name. She's a character in Election, and she's pretty good in that movie. Everyone should go watch Election, because it's great. And it has gained somewhat new relevance in the wake of the 2016 election. (laughs) Favorite new bit. Matthew Broderick is who you're thinking of. Nope. Chris Klein is obviously who you were thinking of. Yep, thank you. Yeah, the two men in election. Thank Relevant. you. Relevant. That came thank out like you. this year, the year that Freaks and Geeks was airing. Whoa, also that movie had some adultery in it. Spoilers Whoa. for election. Uh, Sam gets dropped off at home by Mrs. Schreiber, who's great. I think this is the first time we had ever seen her. She's a tennis mom. Yep. <laughs> and she's like continuing the weird trend of like the Schreiber family being weirdly affluent. Is like, oh, I went to my Tai Chi class and then I felt super good and I went to tennis and my backswing is terrible right now, but I'm working on it. I have a trainer, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Gene uh, is just like, oh, cool. <laughs> we can't afford those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that I think they handle pretty deftly. 
the difference in income between the two families. The uh, Jewish stuff from the last time we talked about the Schreiber family is not very subtle. In fact, it's not subtle at all. But I think if you leave, if you put that aside and you look at it just as one family is upper middle class and the other is middle class, that stuff is more deftly handled and feels more humanistic. Right. When it comes to their culture, it seems a little bit weird, but when it comes to their class, it makes perfect sense. And it like lines up quite well. Yeah. Uh, speaking of culture clashing, uh, I think the reason that Lindsay wanted to leave was she wanted to go hang out somewhere with the freaks. That's usually what it is. Uh, and she goes, I think it's like an ice rink or some, some like restaurant maybe. And they run into Amy again. And Ken is like, Hey, what's up? Get out of the way woman. And then she's like, suck it pig face and makes fun of his sideburns and and then he's like wow she's the best which same like same <laughs> ken i really like that you have a huge crush on someone who doesn't like you <laughs> well you can just cover the whole ken thing in like five minutes right yeah they he has a crush on her he tries to talk to her Lindsay talks to her she says yes everything goes great <laughs> yeah i think it was great to have ken have a plot and Ken asking Lindsay for help was really fun. I don't know that there was a ton of substance to the Ken stuff beyond that. I think it was just their attempt to be like, look, Ken stuff. And then you're like, good, yeah. great. I'm happy for him. Because um, <laughs> Lindsay asking uh, Amy goes well. She says yes. Uh, Ken trying to flirt goes a little bit awkwardly because Daniel's like, you got to look her in the eye. I have laser eyes, <laughs> Ken. <laughs> <laughs> and then ken tries that makes a fool of himself and then she's like why are you staring at me instead of watching the devil went down to georgia on this dumb light show and he's like because i want to kiss you and she's like oh <laughs> okay okay let's do it smooch smooch him smooch him and then the ken plot immediately zooms out to go this isn't really about ken this is about how Lindsay and nick feel being uh the two people who want to kiss but can't kiss because high school <laughs> right uh, but then do they really want to kiss or does nick just want to kiss I, basically yeah no i think you're right i think Lindsay just also sees daniel and kim kissing and then sees uh ken and amy kissing and she's like huh kissing eh i wish i had someone i connected with only if i had anyone and then nick is like cr- crying masturbating in the corner like she'll <laughs> never love me <laughs> Uh, Nick, go, go, go somewhere. Um, <laughs> no, let's go back to uh, the Schwarber plot. We got to talk about it. Because um, yeah. that's basically the Ken stuff is, is it wraps up there. Uh, uh, Sam and his mother are at the mall, I guess. It's a very like 80s mall. It's all one floor. And they're in like, yeah, a department like, store. Yeah, it seems like a department store that they're in. Uh, and there's like the grossest... Uh, microwave salesman in the world where he's like does the kid like hot dogs because <laughs> i can because this thing she's like yeah he's like 30 seconds she's like whoa hot dogs in 30 seconds that's wacky sam is like oh man uh, neil's parents are gonna get him an atari classic gotta love it um and so his parents are like we're fucking lower middle class what do you want us to do buy you like the atari was like the first home or like commonly purchased home video game console so imagine at that time 
someone telling you, I want you to buy me this like several hundred dollar device that lets me play things like that I can just play by myself. Not even like a lot of things. Right, exactly. Or, and you have to buy all the things you want to play for. Like it comes with like one. Then you have to buy yeah. more. It comes with like adventure or something. That's so funny to me to think about like, what was it like buying, telling your parents you wanted to buy video games at the, the beginning of that being a thing? Yeah. Well, I mean, and Mr. Weir has his reaction, which is that it's a waste of time and he doesn't want to buy it. Exactly. And he's like, yeah, this is a waste. We're never going to buy it. Except, whoops, we're going to buy it. Sorry, spoilers. Um, but before they buy it, Sam goes off to go look at the Ataris and he's looking at all the games and oh, who's there? It's Is that Dr. Schweiber and his wife? No. No. That's not his wife. That's a pretty blonde lady. Is it? Is he hugging her? <laughs> the like progression of the scene is so uncomfortable because Sam sees it from afar and he's like, he's going through the thought process that I just did where he's like, that can't, mm, no, oh, they're hugging. Oh, they're like really hugging. Um, <laughs> we, we watch the puzzle pieces click together in his brain as he realizes that he's watching somebody have an affair. Uh, and what's like terrifying about it is that Dr. Schreiber sees him. Um, and like the horror movie villain that he turns out to be in a lot of this episode. Uh, yeah, he is like, Sam, can we have a talk? You and I, this is my friend from oh, a long time ago. I haven't seen her in a while. And that's what that was. Also, you didn't see anything here. I wasn't here because I'm secretly buying my son an Atari. And that's the only reason I'm here. Bye, Sam. You're like, holy shit. Dr. Schreiber is going to kill Sam. <laughs> I know. it. He really does not play this off very smoothly. Especially because... So that that's weird. But then... How weird. The next scene when Sam is at home... Uh, at like at night and talking about the Atari with his mom. She's like, Oh, don't forget. You got to go to sleep early because you have to wake up early tomorrow. And he's like, for what? And she's like, you're getting a cleaning with Dr. Schweiber. Yeah. I just got a call. Uh, from right now. He said he penciled dun, you in early. Dun, 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 dun. That's so scary. I really thought he was going to murder him. <laughs> well, cause I, my first instinct, like I said, when I saw that first scene was like, oh, we're going to find out at the end of the episode that it actually was a high school friend or like she was an Atari salesman or right. some crap like that. And that's going to be it. It's going to be simple. But it was it was not. Um, and so he gets really scared and he's like, oh, man, I got to go to like, ugh, you got to go to the dentist before going to school. Imagine that when you're like 14, 15. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> Early morning dentist appointments suck. Um, also, for what it's worth, please i want more like cool dent the only cool dentist on tv that i can think of off the top of my head is lincoln from broad city uh and that's it every other dentist is like creepy or old or like that's what i'm saying uh and then what else do i have in here uh so he gets yeah so he goes to the cleaning before school and that's even creepier because dr schreiber now has equipment in his mouth and he's telling him, you do not get to talk about this. You did see what you think you saw. Uh, but it mm-hmm. stays between you and me because here's why people have affairs. Yep. Let me give you a little lesson in it. Also, please open I'm your mouth and turn. I'm a lonely man. I'm horny. I don't have anything else to express my feelings but this. 
Thanks, Sam. I want to fuck. It's it's a weird. It's a scene that is uncomfortable for multiple reasons. The intimacy of him having his hands in his mouth definitely is like creepy horror movie kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Also, his justification is not good. I like. I don't think the show is trying to get you to empathize with him, but I think that's his attempt to make us and Sam empathize with him, and it doesn't work. At least it didn't work mm-hmm. for me. I don't know about you, but the dude basically says, like you said, I'm lonely. I will never get to try this again. You know, this kind of opportunity came up and it's like, hey, live life, right? No, Dr. Schweiber. No, you already made a lot of big decisions in life and committed to some things. You can't really just do that. You can't like waffle out of life and decide that you want to just like go like, have a midlife crisis at 50 or whatever. You have, yeah. a, you have a business and you have, it, just, it bummed me out to see that, especially knowing Neil um, and how much he looks up to his dad and then to see his dad say like, I don't know. Sometimes you just got to go just do some stuff. You don't have to. The commitments don't matter. Um, yeah. And then say even saying like, oh, this is only going to happen for a couple more days and then we're going to stop. And it's like, oh, you don't. You are deluded. I uh, Delusional, my friend. I'm sorry. Uh, it. I find it very hard to ever justify cheating of any stripe. Yeah in life or in fiction it's something that i i just believe is is really a horrible thing to do to another person um that said i can i can understand why dr schweiber is feeling the things that he says he's feeling um even if i don't agree with the way that he's acting on those feelings because we do see some evidence that He's a little bit lonely, right? Feels a little bit stuck. Um, when his wife shows up and they have a brief conversation about what's what they're going to have for dinner, really well-directed sequence where they barely look at each other. They don't really touch each other. They don't... Yeah, they, they barely greet each other. Just They're just like, oh, yep, all right, we'll have this. Cool, sounds good. They're in the motions of it um, without any of the sort of passion or even physical intimacy and acknowledgement that you would want out of that kind of a relationship. Uh, and it also explains why he's so cool with the dudes when they're watching SNL or whatever. It's because he, he's fucking lonely. He just, he wants to hang out with somebody. Um, he feels isolated. So I get it, you know, and, I agree. I don't think the episode is really trying to make us say that that's okay, but I do think it gives us enough material to feel at least a little bit bad for him enough that I, because I think they're laying the groundwork for in the next episode for him and Neil to dive into this more. Yeah. Cause it's something that needs to be discussed between the, the parents and between with them and their child, um, or at least with him and Neil. I think, the the thing that like cement because i agree that that scene in front of the garage especially the fact that it does all the stuff you said and then it ends with him saying no sam why are you leaving we were just starting to have fun is like very sad very very sad even though he's also saying like oh shit sam knows like he's both afraid and sad at the same time um i think that scene is supposed to make us sympathize with him a little bit or at least understand something about him but then we need to remember the diary is an episode where the weird parents also 
think, man, our marriage is getting kind of stale. How are we going to fix this? And they talk it out and then they fuck because a lot of times that is all it takes to, to re to rekindle a, a slow suburban marriage is to just kind of discuss it, lay everything out to bear and then fuck it out. Because I mean, that's what Dr. Schreiber wants is he wants to be with someone who cares about him. And maybe their marriage, their marriage isn't compatible with that like moment from the diary. Maybe they weren't able to ever going to have that be it his work schedule or his wife's like, always being out playing she's a professional tennis player now she's going to Wimbledon <laughs> like they're both busy and I, I think the story of two busy parents who don't have time for each other and fall out of love for that reason is like really poignant and uh true but comparing it to the Weir family situation is like oh man they didn't even like they, there's no they were never going to fix this the way that yeah. the Weirs did yeah and that makes that's what makes it sad for me um and hey speaking of parents when uh, they're all at Sam's house, Neil's house, God, so many names. When they're all at Neil's house playing the Atari, uh, they're playing Asteroids, by the way, very appropriate, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, they're like Sam, at, Sam tells Bill when Neil leaves the room. Of course, Neil finds out like two seconds later. And honestly, good on the, the geeks for immediately getting it out there and just saying like, hey, here's the thing that I heard. I'm not going to hide it from you. We're not going to make a big deal out of it. I'm going to tell you what I heard. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like not all the characters on the show are confident enough to do that with their friends. Um, Neil lashes out and says, you are so lying, just, basically. Yeah. Just to clean up the timeline a little bit, I think Sam tells Bill at school. Yes, he tells him earlier. You're right. Yeah. And then Sam leaves the room and Bill tells Neil like he can't keep anything from him, which I really appreciated because I don't think that we'd had we'd had a strong moment of... Sam or of uh, Bill Neal connection, like just the two I think of them, yeah, just the two of them hanging out in a room together. So I appreciated seeing the two of them being friends with each other and seeing their their kind of loyalty and value. Right, because these three boys clearly like each other very much, and they don't have. It's like the thing about being a geek, especially in the eighties, um, is you need to hold on to the people that like you and that have the same interests as you because that's kind of all you got in this small ass town. So they're all willing to try, but like also when it's only the two of the two of them, they don't all have to be a collective unit to be friends. Like it can be Sam and Bill at the mall, or it can be Neil and Bill talking about friendship and that can all work because they're not friends as a unit. They're all individually friends with each other too. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, but speak, but when they're in the house and everyone starts to get really angry and freak out, Neil throws the bill, you don't even have a dad line, which was like very harsh, but also Bill backstory that I didn't expect we were going to get. Um, yep. I mean, it's not surprising considering he has only ever spoken about his mom. Um, mm-hmm. I want to, I'm going to ask you what you think about this. Do you think it's, what do you think about the fact that Bill is the character amongst the three who is the most feminine and he's also the one who is child of a single mother? Makes sense to me makes sense right yeah i think i think that lines up pretty well uh i just like that clicked for me right in that line i was like oh suddenly i'm like rewinding the tape seeing all the bill moments and a lot of it makes sense like his sensitivity but for better or for worse is a lot of it is coming from the fact that he has lived just with his mom for a long time Mm -hmm. um he also says like i don't i do have a dad i get to talk to him on the phone every like three weeks or something it's like oh man bill 
Anyways, before all of that comes to a head with the titular garage door, uh, we get real brief, unnecessary hints, but someone will call us out if we don't talk about it. A Daniel Kim plot in this episode that's completely unnecessary because that has nothing to do with the rest of the themes of the episode. Uh, basically, they're talking about the whole laser dome thing that happens at the end of the episode, and uh kim is like oh you know daniel took another girl to the laser dome and had sex with her there made out or hooked up with her there whatever and maybe he's just gonna do that with me maybe i'm expendable and all it tells us is the thing we already knew which is that kim worries that people see her as like expendable or another one of the girls kind of thing she wants to be special Mm -hmm. um but yeah that all that does is they argue a bunch and talk about it a bunch and then it ends with them in the dome, and he's like, "I don't. There's nobody else I like more than you." And she believes him, and then they kiss. Uh, who? I don't know, man. Who cares about Daniel and Kim? That's what I'm saying. I'm. That's what I'm saying. Well, like we figured it out, right? I don't. I feel like I get them, and I don't really need to see it again. They just keep reminding us, like, "Hey, they're still there." I think it's just because they don't want to like have an episode where some wooden characters don't get story. Yeah. Except they do that with Millie because they don't because because Millie is B team. But if you're on A team Freaks and Geeks, then you are in every episode. And that's that's why that stuff feels yeah. forced on. Um, oh, also quick note I wrote in here because I'm a uh, dentistry nerd. Uh, Dr. Schreiber uses a big, big ass bike guard during the checkup with Sam. And you do not need to use a bike guard to keep someone's mouth open. That is yeah, only there to be creepy. Unnecessary. It's a it's a cleaning. So you just need to poke some ho- like poke some holes in the hole in the lines in his teeth between his teeth. It's very easy. <laughs> um, huh. But I digress. Uh, and then I said, "Wow, it's actually an affair." Uh, and I think that the Sam with the grip in his mouth is going to be the weird face this week. Nice. Um, Ken is checking out Amy under the bleachers like a creepazoid. Oh, this was a moment I really liked. Uh, so Lindsay comes up to him at that moment and she says, oh man, Ken, like, do you like, uh, uh, Amy? And he's like, I, I, I do. I do. Like, so what if I do? He's very open about it, which I like. Uh, and she goes, yeah. um, you know, she's talking to him. She's like, oh, you know, I'll ask her out for you if you want. And he goes, Lindsay, do you think it could happen? And I just want to like capture the face that she makes when she hears him say that. That's like yeah. the pure joy to see your friend, like your guy friend in a, the heat of a crush where she just like goes from neutral to like gigantic smile. And you're like, oh, keep that face, keep that moment. And it's all you have all the positivity to last you a lifetime. It's so warm and nice and friendly. Uh, and that's, again, the thing about the Ken plot is everyone's nice and happy and it works out. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Um, I think, I mean, I think it really is just meant to serve as a counterweight to the other plot. Definitely. I, that's a good point. I didn't consider that. Yeah. Like we needed something light and, and, and good <laughs> to, to yeah. balance the affair. And uh, now on NBC, I think maybe. Um, so the way that Neil uh, starts to get suspicious after hearing that is he goes into the his dad's car and finds a second garage door button uh-oh kitchener garage door yikes and so begins the stranger things-esque trip across town on the bikes 
where uh, coincidentally, Good Times Roll by the Cars is playing. <laughs> Which, like, okay, you paid a lot of money for a song that doesn't quite work. Exactly. Let the good. Well, it's like I think it's an ironic work. Yeah, you're right. But anyways, they they yeah, it totally feels like the look at the money we put in this week. And so they're they're basically trying to use the garage door button on every garage in the neighborhood to see which one it opens because that's the one that Dr. Schweiber is going to at night. Uh oh, when he's doing his Uh-oh. affair stuff, and they can't find it, and they have that really really sad moment where, uh they're like it's been hours and we can't find anything and then neil basically chastises them and says hey if it was you i would have stayed for the whole night i would have never left because i'm a good friend and you're not and they're like well if i stay i'm gonna get yelled at if i because because again it's the 80s they don't have phones their parents don't know where they are right they could be dead they could be dead that's like really that's like a little bit spooky to think about um but if they leave then neil hates them which is what they do is they leave and Neil is mad. But I think that's like Neil can get over that. Their parents are can, well, are going to be scared regardless. Right. He's not really mad at them. I think he's just mad. Yeah. He's mad at his dad and he's, yeah, he's upset. Exactly. So they make the right decision and they, they both go home and, uh, you know, we'll get to the last scene with Sam in the house and the Atari, but cause that's a really good scene. But, um, and just go through a couple more of these notes uh, Daniel has a big collar in the light show scene and then uh, they say the light show and they're like yeah it's gonna be Pink Floyd night Nick's so happy and then the devil went down to Georgia starts playing point is oh no it's country night it's not Pink Floyd night um, and all the people in the crowd are like yeehaw because <laughs> that's what country fans <laughs> do um, and then mm, the other thing in the light show is when Ken like tries to flirt with Amy and then she leaves to go buy him food which is cool he talks to the girl next to him and she's like he goes do you think she liked me? And the girl's like, yeah, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> turns back to the, t- turns back to the light show. I love those like side characters. that get to participate every once in a while. Um, also just like great footage of the light show. Uh, it's like a cowboy yeah. doing like lasso stuff, just like random cowboy clip art, basically, uh, <laughs> gifts, but it's like filmed nicely. Cause it's filmed like as if you're watching it on your own screen for a couple seconds there. They don't show too much of it though. Um, and so that's good. And then Ken is great. And mm, okay, so then yeah, Neil, we cut back to Neil now alone. And one of the final moments is him opening a garage door and up oh, what is inside but his dad's car. Because it says no. like Dr. Teeth or something. <laughs> I thought it said Flossum. No, yeah, it did, you're right. It said I think it said Flossum. Uh, my favorite power powder puff girl. Power puff girl. Yes. Um What a heart wrenching moment because he just figured it out like it's not fake anymore it's a hundred percent it's in front of him there's no more like i think neil is doing that whole thing with the garage door with the hope that it fails and he's like oh this is weird it's just right (laughs) it's what bill says um people have garage door buttons from their friends they leave their buttons they're behind it's fine it happens nope he gets what he did not want and uh, sees the house of uh, the person and like throws the button on the ground and then like cries and you're like oh neil and that's the note that's the note we end with neil on it's like oh man buddy so i hope next episode addresses i think it will i think like the it must it's it must address it this show doesn't have enough episodes in it to skip that and go oh we'll get back to it later we'll get back to it like this isn't a far skip right. where we can have something like right. that and then go no seven episodes later <laughs> <laughs> and then 
probably my favorite like acted scene in the episode is Sam running home and his parents are like, we were worried sick. And he's like, sorry, I had a lot of stuff going on. And then they're like, yeah, so we don't have a lot of money here at the warehousehold, but we did spend a ton of money on this unnecessary thing for you because we love you. Here's the Atari. And I think there's a lot of dimension in the moment where Sam cries at that because I, Oh yeah. Cause it's not only like, Oh man, my, my parents still love each other and they still love me and I'm happy. I think there's, and I, I'd love to wonder what you think about this, but like there's some aspect of worry that like similar to the way that Neil's parents just like buy him stuff and then do their own lives on their own separately. And that kind of like the fact that they buy him stuff blinds him to the fact that his parents aren't getting along. Like maybe Sam is like, having that twinge of like oh man yeah fuck is that what's happening here right now is this just happening to me again hmm yeah i think that's a great point that to sam this extravagance is a sign that they're trying to cover up for something um for some reason to me his tears felt guilty um i don't really know for what but something about the way that he was crying felt like he he felt like he was at fault for Neil's situation. Um, perhaps because he was the one who found out about it. I'm not sure. It just, it, it read to me as, as guilt and as like a release of stress that he had been having throughout the story. I, yeah, I think it's all of those things. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's such a, it's like a multifaceted scene. Um, and that guilt is definitely there because he talks about like, oh man, like I'm the, re- the- technically Sam's going to be the reason that this guilt comes to a head because he ended up being the one that led to Neil finding out. So if Neil finds out and right. then confronts his dad, then that is entirely on Sam. And I would feel guilt about that, but it's not something like y- you didn't do anything bad. You just led to the thing happening. You led to the mm-hmm. ultimate like revelation happening. So it's right. a complicated series of emotions. And then also another layer of guilt that you could talk about is like, uh, Sam is sad that he made his parents spend money on something he knows that, that he doesn't actually need that he just wants because mm-hmm. his friend has it, which is definitely, definitely something that I felt a lot as a kid asking oh, my yeah. parents to buy me stuff. Yeah. Like definitely. you'd, you'd like, you know, you want it, but as soon as you get it, you're like, Oh, and then when you get older and you realize how hard it is for your parents to earn money and set aside money for you, it's like, Oh man, I'm going to want to pay you off <laughs> for the rest of my life to, <laughs> to feel better about this. It's uh yeah, a lot of complicated emotions here on Freaks Chats. Hmm. But um that is the garage door. A uh heavy episode that manages to not be over dramatic and manages to not be a very special episode of Freaks and Geeks, thanks to a really good it, Ken plot. It's heavy much like a garage door. No, give me some foley of a garage door opening right now. And then it turns into a transformer at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty awesome. It's sweet. <laughs> that was the garage door. Next week, Magellan. What are we watching for Freaks Chats? Oh boy, dude, we got a couple doozies, and by doozies, I mean doobies, because the first episode we're watching is episode thirteen. Choking and token. Nice. 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 Lindsay smokes pot for the first time, forgetting that she's scheduled to babysit for a neighbor. 
Bill nearly dies <laughs> when he accidentally eats peanuts. No, don't don't hurt Bill. Please don't hurt Bill. He's the only light yeah, I have leave left. Bill alone. Episode 14 is the next episode. It's called Dead Dogs and Gym Teachers. Whoa, Jesus. Lindsay and Kim accidentally run over Millie's dog. Oh, God. Nick writes a love ballad for Lindsay. Oh. <laughs> Bill, hold on. Bill is horrified that Mr. Fredericks is dating his mom. Oh, God. Is this it? Is just Freezing East going to become a sad show now? Yeah, we really just hit the meat and potatoes of this. Look at the meat and potatoes on that pizza face. The meat and potatoes. The meat and the potatoes. Meat, the tuba. The meat. The meat and potatoes. My Irish and my Jamaican they are They always very do close. that. You always fuse your Irish and Jamaican together. I love it. I love your accent work. Oh, he does such good accent work. He does so many different sounds with his mouth and vocal. What can I say? I'm cosmopolitan. I mean, look at it. Look, look at all the, look at all the, the multidimensionality. Lindsay, Lindsay, look at me. I'm amazing at accents on the count of the fact that I'm a counter-terror agent on the national scale, an international scale. <laughs> Lindsay, 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 come here. I want to show you something. It's a tiny camera that can be used to detonate bombs across the United States. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, Lindsay, don't touch my keychain on account of the fact that I have a small USB drive that contains the codes. <laughs> Nick, which codes? The codes. The codes. Whatever. You're on your period again. Whoops, a doozle. We just did an another hour of uh, Daniel the... <laughs> <laughs> the multidimensional uh, spy terrorist, counter-terrorist, magical human being character. It's Freeze Chats. <laughs> That's where you get to see these impressions, folks. <sighs> Thank you for listening. It's time for some plugs. You can email... Yes, sir. The, the Chats Pod. You can email the Chats Pod over at chatspod at gmail.com. Very easy to remember. <laughs> you can also tweet at Chats Pod. Please do it. You can check out our Twitter right now and our replies uh, because our friend Angela... Is getting back on the bandwagon and yes, Angela, yes, Angela, yes. Um, and then uh, those are the two main places that we can be followed. Also, please rate us on iTunes, pretty please. Um, I would love for you to share this show with your friends. We're always doing different television shows. If you like our personalities, you like our dumb impressions, share this shit. That's the way podcasts work. Also. Follow us on Twitter because I need the validation. I am at Alan Ibrahim on Twitter. It's spelled A-L-L-E-N-I-B-R-A-H-I-M. Magellan? You can find me on Twitter at Justafluke. That's J-U-S-T-A-P-F-L-U-K-E. Every time you say that, I think the U-K-E is like the United Kingdom Extra. <laughs> no, it's not. Ook. Um... Oh, the you just a flukulele. Hey, give me something to sing about. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, and thank you for listening to free chats. Have a good week.